0: a lot of years ago now um, my wife worked in a high school that had a really at least within the school a kind of famous year 9 camp It was a thing that everyone looked forward to when you went to this school everyone knew there was this year 9 camp but it was kind of an outdoor ed sort of focused camp that all of the year's a small school um, they took all the year 9s on it and it was a it was a, a deliberately designed to be a camp that would uh, that would kind of challenge uh, the year nines, put them into uh, to places that would really would really test their sense of resilience and resolve and that sort of thing. And there are a bunch of challenges, uh, if you like to call them on this camp, that that remained a secret uh, for everyone. Uh, except those who are on the camp. And when you went to Year 9 camp, you knew that there were these things that would happen. But at the end of camp, everyone would uh, would sort of swear a pact together. They would never tell next year's Year 9s what would happen on the camp. And so people went on the camp with this great sense of, I wonder what happens on Year 9 camp. Anyway, and when Ros was teaching at this school, um, uh, they needed extra teachers to go on the camp. And so Ros said, I'll go And they needed extra guys to go on the camp. So I put up my hand and I went on the year nine camp as a sort of, uh, as a kind, because they didn't want parents there because of the nature of the camp. So I went on as like an adult helper on the camp. And uh, it was a great camp. And we went through a number of these challenges. There was high rope stuff that happened um, there was one night, uh, I can tell you this now because the camp doesn't run anymore so I'm not breaking the secrets. Um, there was one night where the the, the the kids were challenged to stay outside of their tents for the whole night. You know, could they survive a night sort of in the bush just with a tarp and whatever. But one of the challenges, uh, one of the challenges that would happen as part of a night hike one night um, was uh, uh, centred around an old mine shaft uh, that existed on the property where this camp had. Um, it was a horizontal mine shaft, which means sort of the it went straight into uh, into the hill, and um, the challenge was for the kids to walk to the end of the mine shaft. Now, in reality, I know you're already looking like this is a really bad idea, but no. <laughs> in reality, uh, the mine shaft was only about uh, maybe 20 metres long, 20 to 30 metres long. Um, it was a, a simple um, rectangular. Uh, sort of corridor. It was perfectly flat, beautifully hewn out of the rock. But the teacher would talk this up to the kids. And the teacher would say to them, this is dark, remember, a bit night, no, it's absolutely pitch black in there. The teacher would say things like, look, because um, you couldn't, um, the 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 opening to this, this tunnel was a little bit obscured by some fallen rocks. So you had to kind of squeeze in there. But once you are in there, you could almost stand up um, and you could just walk to the end of this thing. We you could walk to the end of the thing if you knew what was there. But in the dark, and when your teacher said things to you like, um, there's some animals that live in there. And so sometimes there's some old bones on the ground. Watch out for the bones on the ground. And then he'd say, and about halfway down, there's another shaft that goes straight down. So you don't want to fall into that. So make sure you stick to the left-hand side of the shaft so that you don't fall down the shaft. In reality, none of this was there, and he took some, uh, some old bits of wood and put them on the ground so that when you kicked them, they sounded a bit like bones. Uh, <laughs> um, but my job, my job, and I know this sounds terrible, but in context it was great, my job was to stand in the dark at the end of the corridor and scare the bejeebas out of the kids when they got to the end and there was a person standing there, right? It was brilliant. The kids loved it. Um, (laughs) Here's the point. Here's the point. If you walked into that shaft with a torch, it was the easiest thing in the world. You You could see that it was straight and flat and smooth and you could walk to the end of it in about 10 seconds and walk back. But when you were in there in the darkness and when you had all of these uh, stories and other ideas and sort of lies, uh, you know, kind of in your mind, it became one of the scariest things that these kids could imagine. A number of the kids just wouldn't do it. They're like, I'm not going in there. And kids that did go in there, it would take them literally minutes and minutes to shuffle about 20 metres to the end of this thing because they were, they were so afraid of what might be in there. Sometimes things that seem fine, that are fine in the light, all of a sudden become scary and confusing and apparently dangerous when we're in the dark. Life can be a lot like that challenge, can't it? You know, when we, when we sort of feel like we're in the light, life is easy and it's fun. And when we feel like we're in the light, we experience life and meaning and freedom and joy and purpose. There's those moments in life where you feel like you're in the light and life is fantastic. But sometimes life feels a little bit like we're in the dark. A little bit like like there's darkness surrounding us. And all of a sudden life becomes uncertain and it becomes scary. And we experience things like confusion and fear and stress. And of course, the problem for us, uh, a little bit like uh, the kids on that Year 9 camp all those years ago, the problem for us is that in a complicated world, sometimes it's hard to work out what's light and what's dark you know sometimes it's obvious but sometimes sometimes it's hard to work out what's right and what's wrong sometimes it's hard to work out what's true and what's not and i want to say to you this morning if you've ever felt like that if you've ever felt confused about what's good and what's bad, if you've ever felt frustrated that you feel like you're in the dark and and life is just a whole lot more complicated and more difficult and more stressful than it ought to be, if you've ever felt afraid or scared or lost in life in any sense, then in this next couple of weeks, I'm going to introduce you to a little letter In our Bibles, just a half a dozen pages in our Bibles that might turn on the light for some of us in what can seem to be a dark and a difficult world. We're going to spend the next two weeks in the book of 1 John in our Bibles. And I really want to encourage you, uh, if you don't normally bring a Bible with you so that you can can follow along. And uh, we don't usually do homework here, but I really want to encourage you this week to read all of 1 John. A whole book of the Bible. It's literally like five pages, right? It'll take 15 minutes. Um, You could read it every day uh, in reality. But to read all of 1 John. But for now, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background, a little bit of context about this little but really important book in our Bibles. 1 John is the first of three letters that we find together right up the backs of our Bibles. There's 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. I mean, you would think if you're going to sit down and put the Bible together, you could come up with more creative names. But I don't know. That's what it is, right? 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Um, They're all written by the same person. They're all written by John, um, who's the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's that guy, right? And and if you want extra credit in your homework, if you read the Gospel of John and then read 1 John and 2, the the, the language and the ideas and the concepts, there's a lot of overlap. And and you'll get that it's the same guy writing it, right? It it really, it reads like and it feels like um, letters written by the same person who wrote the gospel. Um, John wrote these letters, uh, most historians believe, to a group of churches uh, in and around the ancient city of Ephesus, um, which today is on the coast of Turkey, You can still go there and and, and see ruins and things like that of of ancient Ephesus. Um, These letters are written, uh, most people believe, around about 85 to 95 AD. And that's actually really important because that places these letters about 55 to 65 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And, And the reason that's important is because it means that John is writing to second generation believers. Right, He's no longer, we're past, we're past the point at which the people who are in the church are the people who actually met Jesus and saw Jesus. Does that make sense? He's now writing to their kids, potentially maybe uh, to some of their grandkids. And what that means is that he's writing to people who are hearing the stories of Jesus secondhand. They're no longer hearing the stories of Jesus from people who actually saw Jesus. They're hearing the stories of Jesus from people who heard the stories of Jesus. Does it make sense? And he's writing to a group of churches that are confused about their faith. Uh, John, t- and we, we, you can read this. Um, you, you'll get the hint of this when you, when you read the letter. Um, but uh, John has become aware that there are some people in the church and around the church that are starting to teach some different things, starting to teach some other things about God and about Jesus, things that he never taught them and that the disciples never taught them, but other things. He refers to these people as false teachers. Um, and the result of this, uh, the result of this false teaching is that the people in the churches are starting to get confused. Because they, they, they've, they've still got the stories and the things that John and others told them, but now they're getting all of these other stories, this other information, these other ideas, and they're starting to get a little bit confused about who God really is and about who Jesus really is. And so John writes this letter uh, in part to encourage people, uh, to encourage those who are in the church, but also sort of to, to refocus them on what he's going to tell them is the truth about who God is and about who Jesus is and so I want to say to us if you've ever felt a little bit overcome by darkness in your life if you've ever felt a bit confused about what's right and what's wrong if you've ever felt um, unsure about what's true and what's not this little book is probably something that can really help you. This little book has the potential to sort of to turn the lights on in your life. John writes to encourage these Christians to stick to the true foundations of their faith and to stay focused on the truth about Jesus. So if you've got the Bible, uh, if you've got your Bible, we're going to jump in. John is right at the back of your Bible. The easiest way to find it if you've got a paper Bible is to go to the back and find Revelation and start going forward. Um, uh, it, it's, just, it's just right before Revelation. Like I said, there's just three little books. Obviously, you've got a digital device. Just kind of scroll to the bottom of all the list of the books. You'll find it right at the end there. And we're going to start right at the beginning uh, in John Chapter 1, verse 1. Because because John's going to explain what he's writing about better than I can explain it. So um, uh, let's read what John has to say to us. John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. This is John's way of saying, I'm writing to tell you the true story. I'm writing to tell you the original story, right? That which was from the beginning. And he doesn't just mean the beginning of the church. He means the beginning of the, remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. It's like John linking up the beginning of Jesus. He says, I'm writing to tell you about the truth that has existed from the very beginning of time. And he says, this is the truth. I saw this truth. I was there, see his words, I heard it, I saw it, I touched it. And I'm going to tell you about the way he describes Jesus as the word of life. Verse 2, the life appeared. We've seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. John saying, Jesus came, this, this word of life came to earth and announced eternal life and I was there. I saw it and I heard it. I saw and I heard the person of Jesus. Verse 3, we've, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Notice John's repeated words here, seen and heard, seen and heard, seen and heard. He's saying, I I, I want you. And when he talks about fellowship there, it's a way of him saying, I want you to, to sort of be in the same group that we are. I want you to have the same mind that we have. I want you to be on the same page that we have. I want you to have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. This is uh, into verse three and into verse four. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Some versions, your Bible might have to say might have to make every joy complete, or some versions to say to make your joy complete. John's saying, "I want you to be on the same page as us because we're on the same page as God." Right? So I want you to be at one with us because we're at one with God, and that way we're all at one, we're all on the same page together. My purpose in writing this, my purpose in writing this is so that you might and I might so that we together might experience joy. John's making it very clear that, he, that, 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 that his purpose, this isn't about smacking people over their hand, this isn't about talking about right and wrong. He is desperate for people to experience the joy that he knows in life, that he's experienced in life, and he wants everyone to get that. That's what the truth about Jesus does. It brings joy. John's saying in a world with all All sorts of messages about truth, truth, where some people are saying one thing and some people are saying another. I want to remind you of the original message. I want to remind you of the truth about life, the source of true life, the source of abundant life. And that source is the person of Jesus. That source is God through Jesus. And then in verse 5, John introduces what will be one of the main themes of this letter. There are two main themes in this letter. We're going to look at one this week, one next week. The first of the main themes in this letter when he says in verse 5, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. John wants his listeners to understand the um, the really stark contrast, the enormous difference between the truth that he's talking about and these other messages that people are getting. And he's saying it's like the difference between night and day. It's like what you're hearing is darkness and God is light. Right? We're not talking about slight difference in shades of colour. We're talking about light and dark, about truth and lies, about black and and white, and he's going to use a lot of this language. When you read through 1 John, it's full of this, this really kind of stark contrast of language. He wants people to understand just how different the message of Jesus is from the message they're hearing in the world around them. He's saying there's only one true message of life. And everything else is like darkness compared to that. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. God is light and everything else is darkness compared to him. And John is saying that we have a choice to make. He's writing to these little churches to remind them to say, and you have a choice to make. Are you going to listen to the darkness and live in the darkness or are you going to listen to the light and live in the light? John says, I don't want you to be confused by all of these other ideas. You can say that you believe in God, but you've actually got to live that out. See, in in, in John's way of thinking, the Christian path is something that you have to believe and follow. You can't kind of do one and the other. You have to believe and follow. If you jump over to chapter 2, uh, next page, or, or maybe the opposite page, depending uh, what your Bible looks like, um, 1 John 2 uh, verses 3, 3 and onwards, John will say, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. This is the follow part. Whoever says I know him but does not, what, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are his. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He's reminding these churches what their faith is founded on. He's reminding them what real faith looks like. He's reminding them about the things that he's seen and heard. And he's saying, I want you to be on the same page, on the same team, if you like, as me. To have fellowship with me. And if you want to have fellowship with me, if you want to be on the same team as me, says John, if if you want to be with Jesus the way I'm with Jesus, then you need to live in the light. You need to walk in the light as I'm walking in the light and as Jesus taught us to walk in the light. This, friends, is the message of one john and the reason we want to talk about this is because it seems to me there's a lot of similarities between the world that john wrote to and the world that we live in i don't know if you could pick it up as we're going along but you know where we too are like those second generation christians we no longer uh, have sitting in our group people who've actually seen and heard jesus not in not in the bodily form right And so that means that like those second generation Christians around Ephesus, it's really easy for us to get confused about what's real and what's not. Because we've got people saying, this is the message of Jesus. But then you've got all these other messages. You've got other people saying, well, well, that's cool, but I've got a neat idea too. I read a great book. You should listen to this podcast. A friend of a friend said, you know, I read this on the internet. We've got all sorts of people around us telling us that, that, that they've got another good idea that we should consider as a sort of a path through or as a way to live life. And the truth is it's really easy for us as Christian people, for us as people who are exploring Jesus, to get confused about what's the truth about Jesus and what's not. What's right and what's not. What's good and what's bad. What's light and what's dark. And so the message that John has for these churches is, I would bet the message that he would give to us if he was standing here today, which he would say, listen to me because I was there. I saw it and I heard it and I touched it. He says this time and time again through the letter. He said, don't be confused by other people. I was actually there. Don't be confused when other people say, well, Jesus is like this. I can tell you what Jesus is like because I met him and I lived with him, I heard him and I touched him, I was there. I heard the message of eternal life from the one who is eternal life. Remember, this is the same John, and this is why I'd really love you to read the gospel. This is the same John who remembers Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth. And the life, John fourteen six. this is his way of thinking. This is the message that he's trying to bring people back to. Remember when I said that? Well, that's the truth because I heard him say that. John wanted his church to know, and I think he wants this church to know, that there is a path, there is a best path through life. In a world where people are telling you, you know, there's no best path. It's, you know, you make your own path and everyone's path is okay. John wants to say there is a way that is a better way. There is a life that is a better life. There is an absolute truth and the way and the truth and the life is the person of Jesus. That Jesus is the best path through life. That Jesus is the path to your best life. He's saying, God is light. Don't listen to the the darkness in the world around you. Don't listen to voices of greed. Don't listen to messages of hate and selfishness and anger. Because let's face it, we all hear those, those sort of messages of darkness every day, don't we? They're on TV and they're in newspapers and they're on billboards and they're in our social media feeds all day. These sorts of messages are coming to us. And John wants to say there's another way. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. We're like those kids standing at the beginning of that tunnel in the darkness going, how can I possibly get through this? And John's saying, I'll give you a torch. With a torch, there's nothing to fear here. With a torch, this is easy you can do this with a torch but you need the light without the light with all those other messages in your head this is scary and confusing and how am i going to get through this but god is light and if john were here i think he would be pleading with us pleading with us saying please don't listen to those other ideas Don't get get sucked in by those other messages. Don't listen to the darkness that is in the world around you. Walk in the light. Follow the light. Follow Jesus. Accept his forgiveness and his offer and his gift of eternal life. Follow his way of living day by day. And John would say, it's the truth. I know it's the truth because I was there. I experienced it, I heard it, I saw it and I touched it with my own eyes and ears and hands. And he says, I want you to experience the same thing that I've experienced. I want you to have fellowship with, I want you to be connected to the same story that I'm connected with because I've experienced the joy that it brings. The unspeakable, the unimaginable joy that a life with Jesus brings. That's the the joy and the awesomeness that comes when you live in the light. So you see, I don't think the early church in Ephesus was a whole lot different to us. Their world was full of ideas about what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's wrong. People came with all sorts of ideas about uh, the best path through life. And just like John's readers, we have a choice to make. We can believe in Jesus or not. We can can follow Jesus or not. And everyone has to make their own choice. I'm not going to kind of try and guilt trip you here or, or, or press you in any way. I just want you today, and as you read one John during the week... I just want you to hear the voice of John. I want you to hear the voice of someone who was there with Jesus. Of someone who actually met him, actually walked with him and heard him and lived with him. Someone who is pleading with you to walk, to step away from the darkness and to step into the light. To walk with the light and to experience the joy that comes with living a life fully focused on and fully given to Jesus. That's the good news about 1 John.